The reading this morning is from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there, speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have had many, heard many reports about this man, and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, St. John's. Good morning. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Amy. Um, I've been coming to St. John's for 10 years. I actually met and married my husband here, and we have two sons that you might see uh, populate the, 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 the airtime on, on stage sometimes. Um, but it's really an amazing privilege this morning uh, to be thinking about, well, the prequel to Paul, the journey of uh, the, the author of half of the New Testament, we're learning about his conversion today. And alongside that, we're seeing one of the most dramatic and, dare I say it, iconic moments of the Bible, let alone uh, the life of the early church. Just a chapter prior to the opening of our reading today, we've seen Saul stone a man to death, the first Christian martyr. 
Stephen. We witness him now, literally and metaphorically, I'm an English teacher, um, get stopped in his tracks on the road to Damascus and have to turn to Jesus. It's a reminder to all of us. If God can convert Saul, is anything too difficult for him? But I'd like to caveat this morning by saying, so what? What about the friends and family we know and love who don't know Jesus yet? Where does that leave us? This morning, I want us to dig a little deeper into what this story can show us and what it calls us to do. It's not just an amazing action story. It is something that can inform and transform your lives today. So how is this story useful? For those of us who fear that we're too sinful to be useful to God, Saul is an amazing individual who blazes the way forward, growing the church in what he does next. And you can read copious books that he's written um, in the New Testament that show you the way. For those of you that believe that sometimes it's okay to be a solo Christian, you know, who needs church, etc. Um, you're probably not here this morning, to be fair, if that's you. Um, you. You actually see the need to be amongst brothers and sisters of Christ to, to grow you and show you the ways. And for those that might doubt that something useful can come from a conversion like Saul's, we see that God gives us authority to share our story. God sends the voice of Jesus to collide with Saul. And that Pharisee's life is never the same again. Saul's story reminds us of how God can and does transform even the hardest of hearts and what it looks like to be a converted messenger of the God who sends us on a mission with his son. I guess if you forget everything else I say today, which of course you won't, obviously, um, only Jesus can transform hearts and turn our lives around for his glory. Our lives are a transformation story of God at work. And I dare us today to do what Sam said last week. He said, be bold. This story calls us to do that. So let's get into the nitty gritty. Saul of Tarsus, if I was doing his school report, I'd say an incredible scholar of the Jewish faith. Um, born to probably quite middle-class parents. Um, I've got in my notes here, his dad was probably a tent maker. It's around 20 AD. He's kind of done very well academically, in fact. So well, he's been elected to the Sanhedrin. Um, a kind of very elite group of religious leaders with a very clear desire to share the Jewish faith to a high standard. But I guess this way, you know, the reference to the way, um, the early Christians, they're a massive threat. You know, these kind of vicious fishermen going around preaching about this Jesus guy, it's annoying. It's annoying. And it violates what he believes he is meant to share. So he's on his way to Damascus to interrupt and frankly um, obliterate anyone who's preaching that message because it undermines his message. Quite an angry guy, to be honest. 
today I'm going to be calling us to think a little bit more about how this links to our lives. All of us have probably encountered someone who's massively anti-Jesus. Or if you haven't, I certainly have. Um, Saul, he's approaching Damascus, planning on capturing and eliminating anyone who's preaching about Jesus in Nazareth. On his way, he cannot continue. There are three things that get in the way. An encounter with a voice, the voice of Jesus. An overwhelmingly bright light. And a question he can't ignore. It's pretty intense, isn't it? You can't ignore, you you know, you can't just keep on walking by. Stopped in your tracks. Why are you persecuting me? What? Sorry? Obviously, the question confuses Saul. So much of his identity is rooted in theological understanding, you know, knowing the answer. And I'll be honest, that's me. I feel like that, this is a moment where I relate to Saul. So many of us are quite like academic, actually. And if you're not feeling academic, you kind of know why for yourself. He has not encountered a relationship with Jesus. He's got the voice of Jesus in his head telling him, why are you hurting me? It's become a bit personal now. And Jesus identified himself as being the one who is persecuted. It's not just his followers being persecuted. It's him being hurt. It's an amazing moment because it's that heady mix that for many of us we relate to where humility also stands alongside humiliation to be shown life at its toughest. The world as Saul knew it and saw it was about to change forever. As you know from the wonderful reading that we just heard, he is blinded. As again, an interlude as the English teacher, that's literal and metaphorical blindness. Jesus instructs Saul to go into the city and await instructions. And by the end of our reading today, we see how he sees and scales fall from his eyes. Saul's Saul's travelling companions, though, are absolutely stunned. They are not blinded, though. They witness him being blinded. Saul had become blind, but the author Luke um, describes Saul like this. Though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. That is a beautiful and very intense reading of something that mirrors what Jesus himself says in Matthew 23. He describes Jewish leaders as blind guides. And here we have a Jewish leader experiencing that in the moment that they are forced to hear Jesus. The men lead him by the hand to Damascus. Dare I say it, I think this is the first time Saul has had to be vulnerable like this. He didn't arrive as the protector and like kind of vigilante of the Jewish faith as he'd intended. He arrived as a humbled individual, forced to hear from the voice of God that he had come to persecute. That's a very vulnerable position to be in. 
He's so broken, he's unable to eat, drink, and not able to see. But I mean, I guess this is all, you know, very nice of me to walk us through the story. And I'm, gl- I'm guessing you all got to the end, as I've said, you can see and you've got faith. Isn't that cute? What about us today on our front line? What about us in the rest of our week as we dig in? There are lessons to be shared here. There are deep messages that sit within each of us if we could only unlock them. So let's do that. There's two lenses that I want us to see this passage today. One is through the head and the other, I'm Egyptian, through the heart. Okay, Um, I'd like to take you to another pretty iconic um, scripture in the Bible. My my eldest son's name is Luke and it's definitely because it's my favourite gospel. Um, But this passage of the prodigal son is one I often associate when I think of conversions. Let me just do a little quick recap, just in case it's new to you. Um, Here we've got this self-indulgent younger son who squanders his wealth, lives his best life, and realises, actually, it's not my best life, it's my worst life. I've got nothing I need. I need my heavenly father. I need to be um, connected. But there's another son in that story, the older son. I've always felt a bit sorry for, actually. The older son is quite self-righteous. They do the right thing. They're very diligent. They're very caring. They're very present. And frankly, they believed that they could earn their father's love. Saul is a bit like the older brother. He thinks he's doing all the right things by God. He sincerely believes he's doing the right thing for his faith. But it's an encounter that changes everything. So let's take a moment and consider. What are some of the things that get in the way of you sharing your faith? Well, I, like you, sometimes struggle. But when I was racking my mind over what those reasons might be, some of them don't feel as bold as we were called to be last week. Fear of rejection. Check. Fear of failure. Check. Maybe a sense that, you know, it's a bit selfish to keep sharing our ideas. Maybe that's not what people want to hear. These don't sound very impressive, do they? But they're real things that might be stopping some of us today. Maybe it's a bit uncomfortable to, you know, make it a priority in the conversation. Like, how do you find the neat link to talk about Jesus? Maybe you don't feel qualified. That's certainly the one I used to hide behind the most. Don't, I don't know the Bible well enough, to be honest. Well, that's not an excuse for any of us, really. Because I dare us today to not ignore who we are and how important that is to share. Not in a really loud voice, maybe in quite a quiet voice. I was um, praying over and I had some friends stay with us a few days ago who I asked to hear this sermon. And they were like, I was like, should I keep this personal or should I keep it like pure business? You know, just talk scripture, talk truth to power. They were like, no, you should, you should share a little bit, to be honest. It's interesting. If it's not, please do let me know after the service. Um, I was talking about how COVID has been really eye-opening for me in terms of how much everyone wants to be connected, but how hard it has been to be connected. And how in the school that I serve, um, 
lots of teachers knew before, just in passing, that I was a Christian, but times have been hard. Lives have been tough. You don't need me to tell you that. And it's little things that I do that I'm noticing they want me to talk about my faith, whether I really thought they did or not. Things like at the end of a meeting saying, oh, God bless. Um, Casually saying something like, um, I'll be praying for you if they saw something difficult is happening. And now I can say I'm in a really interesting point where I I don't go around, you know, I am a Christian, talk to me about your faith, talk to me about where you are. But I've recognised actually people want me to say what I've been doing at my weekend and it's a bit uncomfortable if I don't mention you because you're part of my family. I dare us to just drop those hints and go with the flow. Because do you know what? Nine times out of ten, people don't have an angry reaction. They're interested. They want to know you and they probably want to know you through the one you love or might be getting to love in the name of Jesus. I dare you to take those nudges because it's amazing what God does. Um, I have a teacher in my school that I've worked with for nine years and it's only in the pandemic that she saw the point of a church because she has two small children and it was really isolating being at home. And she recently came to faith and said, if it wasn't for all the little nudges from loads of different people, I I probably wouldn't have encountered Jesus. It's not as rock and roll a conversion as what we've just heard with Saul, but it's a conversion. It's someone seeing the need of Jesus in their life. And I think it's all those little nudges and those little wins that I was meant to talk to you about today. Because you all have amazing powers like that, whether you choose to feel it or not. So I dare you to try and overcome those challenges. In terms of the heart, I guess the driving force of what I want to say is, do not rule certain people out of conversion. Think of the most anti-voice that you know that tells you straight, this is madness, that you believe in this. It's crazy. Are you well? Jesus doesn't collide with us to produce these superficial kind of religious obedience traits. We're not populating this church just to excel in the habit of attending church. No, it's much more exciting than that. Saul excelled in all of that before he became uh, a Christian. Jesus meets with us to show us who he is and to transform our hearts, leading us to loving, very genuine care and obedience to the world around us. Jesus' encounter with Saul shows us that he can soften the hardest, ugliest parts of all of us And even the hearts of people who might seem full of themselves, conceited, and frankly quite rude when you mention that part of your identity. Don't think that anger from someone who doesn't view your faith highly means that they're not a little bit intrigued about how you're living your life. Because there's a peace that faith gives that is quite beguiling from an outsider's point of view. Not something we should be scared to probe and stand alongside another person with. But I'd love you to consider this. What are some of the ways you are blinded, maybe, confusing religious obedience with what truly pleases God? We're so much more than a community group. We're so much more than a group of people who spend an hour and a quarter or so each Sunday together. 
We are a task force transforming our front line. We're more than spending time participating in Bible study or we're thinking about the world around us and the footfall that has. But I dare you today to take a moment to consider this. The only gateway to truly doing this amazing transformational business that inspires us but also glorifies God is to go back to the heart of your story following Jesus. Today we get the privilege of a barbecue after church. I'm very excited about that. I dare you to take some time to start a conversation, maybe with someone you don't know that well yet. What's your story with Jesus? Like, how did it all start? How can you tell your story in a way that's authentic for you? Go back to that first love. Be the trailblazer you know you can be. I'm going to give us a moment now to just think about that. What is it that fires you up for Jesus? How did you reach this space? Take a moment before I close in prayer. Lord God, thank you for every person who knows you and who doesn't know you yet. Thank you for the way you empower us to tell our story and recognize the amazing impact you have on our world. Thank you for trailblazers like Paul, who saw the light, were blinded, saw the scales fall off their eyes and recognized a need for you. I pray that you will help us see a space for faith and encouragement of the world around us and recognize the mighty little voice that we might have to share that with others. And I thank you also for those who, like Ananias, are waiting in the wings to do that amazing work. Thank you, Lord God, for the way you call us to be and for the transformational power of your son, Jesus. Amen.